Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Dan Harris, as always, joined by Mike Tagliere. You can find us on Twitter at DanHarris80 and at Mike Tagliere NFL. As we get into it, I wanted to say thank you to Grammarly for supporting the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com slash FantasyPros to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. Tags, I'm in a great mood today. It has nothing to do with fantasy football. Would you like to know why? I would love to know why. You had me rolling before the before the start of the show. So I mean, you knew. You knew something was going on. Well, let me tell you, we moved into our house about eight and a half years ago, right around the holidays, the first year we moved in. We got this package of like giant gourmet chocolate covered nuts they were addressed to the former owners with love from aunt bessie and uncle lou but we didn't know where the former owners had moved and i don't what were we going to do let them go to waste so my wife and i ate them and they were amazing we felt a little bad about it but deep down we're just not very good people so it's fine <laughs> but then they came again the next year it struck us as a little strange i mean Aunt Bessie and Uncle Lou, do you really just not know where your niece and nephew moved to at that point? It's been 18 months, but same deal. We had to eat them, and they have come every single December for the last nine years, including this past Friday. And you and Bobby and I, we're all big fans of The Office, right? Yes. Every year on this day, Tags, I am Stanley Hudson, okay? I wake up every morning in a bed that's too small, drive my daughter to a school that's too expensive, (laughs) and then I go to work. Do a job for which I get paid too little. But on peanut day, well, I like peanut day. So, Tags, listeners, I'm coming to you happier and fatter than usual. I am ready to deliver a grade A show. Are you with me, Tags? <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm that happy. I think you and Bobby are weird, by the way. Bobby had cookies shipped to his house uh, from someone, and uh, he ate them. I think you guys are weird. Like, if I found something in the mail food-wise from someone that I did not know, I wouldn't eat it. I mean, tax. You you need to understand, okay? These peanuts. It's like the most gourmet thing I've ever seen. It like it's like you take like a nuclear code to figure out how to open the darn package on it. I mean, they are delicious. <laughs> I don't care. So if you dislike me for whatever reason, and you can track down my address, if you send me chocolate covered peanuts, I will eat them. So if you want to poison them or something, that's fine. Also, I just want to make it clear: my bed is actually giant. My daughter goes to public school, and I'm wholly satisfied with my compensation. But still. Only 364 more days till the next <laughs> peanut day. All right, Tags, let's keep it focused here and get into it. Only the impact on week 16, because if you are listening to this, you are probably still playing for either a championship or maybe a third place prize, or maybe you're in your consolation bracket, but you want to know about next week. So, Tags, let's keep it focused here to next week. Give me your biggest winner. Oh, so it's it's a, it's a co-award. One is going to be A.J. Brown, uh, and then the other is going to be Brashad Perriman. But A.J. Brown, I want I want to talk about for a moment because he was the subject of a lot of questions this morning in the live stream and I feel a little bit bad about it just because you know coming into this game I always try and explain myself and and the reason I feel the way I do and I hope that my reasoning makes sense a lot of times and Coming into this game, the last four games for A.J. Brown, had seen he had seen four targets, five targets, four targets, seven targets. He had not had two games in a row with more than 45 yards all season. There was risk involved in him, and we knew that the matchup was decent. Again, he had been growing into a bigger role, but those target shares do not suggest that he's a guy that's going to see... 13 friggin targets uh in week 15 but he did and he he dominated them and like the guy when you watch him out there he's not in in terms of if you if you look at his measurements he's a big guy but 
he looks bigger out there. Like he just looks like a guy that you cannot cover right now. And he's playing like it too. So 114 yards and a touchdown against that secondary. Uh, AJ Brown, definitely a big winner. All right. So next week they get the Saints tags. He's probably going to draw Marshawn Lattimore. Are you, is he now in your lineup? That's it. He's good to go no matter what. Yeah, you have to. I, I, there's no way that I could sit him right now. I mean, I I didn't say you should sit him this week, but I, I would have sat in him over like established options. And I feel pretty good about saying that I would have started Tyler Lockett over him because that's one call that actually went correct. But for those who I said to start, you know, Devontae Parker over A.J. Brown, I'm sorry. I mean, tags, Devontae Parker had two touchdowns. Don't beat yourself up over it too bad. He wound up with a huge game because he scored a garbage time. So you did fine. But either way, yeah, look, I get it. You can't foresee 13. Teen targets. That's just ridiculous given what he has. He was boomer bust. I mean, I had him at a start and I, I started him in, in one league. I actually don't even know if I'm going to make the championship there. But yeah, at this point, both him and Tannehill, by the way, because, you know, we debated right, you know, we, we do these shows immediately after the games. We don't have time to really hammer out our rankings for the following week. So you would ask me about Aaron Rodgers and Ryan Tannehill. And I said, I think I'll probably have Rodgers a spot or two ahead. I did not. I had Tannehill, I believe, two spots ahead. He's a guaranteed start also, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And against the Saints especially, although they may be able to run the ball with all the injuries there, they're going to need to pass. So both those guys should be locked in your lineup. How about your biggest loser here, Tex? Biggest loser's got to be Jameis Winston. And it's really it's really weird to say that, considering the guy just threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. But uh, he lost Chris Godwin, and that's why he's the biggest loser here. Chris Godwin's not going to be available in Week 16. They're going to be playing against the Houston Texans uh, in Tampa Bay. On Saturday. Uh, so there are a couple Saturday games this week for those of you who don't know. So make sure you set your lineups before uh, Sunday. Uh, but yeah, that game's Saturday at noon, which means uh, he's not playing. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are not going to be playing in that game, which means Rashad Perriman, Justin Watson, and Scotty Miller are going to be the starting wide receivers. Hey, Scotty Miller also left with a hamstring injury tag, so don't even put him up there. He may be out <sighs> as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, at what point do you say, okay, enough is enough? It's, it is a good matchup against Houston, but yeah, I, uh, Jameis Winston's definitely got to be the biggest loser because he just, <laughs> he's going to be without his top two wide receivers. I mean, this is certainly the biggest performance for anyone who's made the biggest loser list for sure. 458 yards, four touchdowns, his usual interception, of course. Um, yeah, we'll talk about Rashad Perryman and what we're going to do with him next week but in the meantime yeah there's nobody left I mean I was gonna ask you who in the world is he gonna be throwing to other than Perriman at this point um Godwin I believe I mean it's a hamstring injury I, I think he was carted off if I remember correctly so he's he's not gonna be able to get back next week so certainly Winston who look if you started him if you you know again I don't know where you had him ranked tags I mean I was slightly concerned about the thumb but I still had him I believe sixth you know somewhere up there because I felt like you know in the end they all have risk and he practiced fully on Friday, so I thought it was going to be good to go. So if you did get him out there, obviously he gave you a pretty monster performance. But before you go into him next week, you're certainly going to need to look at the weapons that he has available because it is not going to be pretty. Uh, as we did last week, Tags, we are going to skip What's Your Problem, Man, because, you know, the rest of season rankings, they really barely matter at this point anymore. So we are going to get right into the games. But before we do, I want to talk about Manscaped, the number one option for men's below-the-belt grooming. Now, there are a lot of things to love about Manscaped, but what I love most about it is that they just kind of put it out there what every guy knows. you got to trim it up below the belt. Seriously, this might be the third or maybe fourth time I've talked about Manscaped on this pod and I've had a bunch of guys already reach out to me to say, thank goodness Manscaped came along so we can just acknowledge this normally. So I guess I personally was a little unaware that this was like not something that most people talked about at dinner parties and stuff. And 
now that I'm thinking about it, it does explain a lot of the weird looks I got at my grandmother's 85th birthday party. But now because of Manscaped, I'm probably not going to get any of those looks when I talk about it at her 90th birthday party. So I do have that going for me. And that's especially true when I talk about Manscaped redesigned electric trimmer, the Lawnmower 2.0, which has proprietary advanced skin safe technology so you can avoid having an unfortunate incident where you hurt your two best friends. It's even waterproof so you can use it in the shower. Now, the Lawnmower 2.0 comes inside Manscaped's Perfect Package 2.0, which is the perfect gift for the holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. With the Perfect Package 2.0, you not only get the Lawnmower 2.0, but you also get the Crop Preserver, an anti chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, as well as anti chafing performance boxer briefs, and also the Crop Reviver, which, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls perfectly fresh. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 is the perfect gift this holiday season, and you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANTASYPROS over at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANTASYPROS over at manscaped.com. All right, Tags, let us get started with the Thursday game. My Jets taking on the Ravens, and it ends, as you might expect, Ravens 42 Jets 21. I think it says a lot about what it means to be a Jets fan to say that this went better than I expected. And I honestly don't know if there's anything to take away here from the Ravens side. Lamar Jackson is essentially a league winner. He throws five touchdown passes, runs for 86 yards. Mark Ingram scores two touchdowns. He's a must-start option. Seth Roberts, Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, they all score touchdowns. I think the only real thing to discuss, Tags, is whether you think you can start Marquise Brown next week against the Browns. He caught all four of his targets for 45 yards and a score. So is he somebody who you think you're going to pop in your lineup next week against Cleveland? I don't necessarily think he's a must play at all. Um, he's someone that I was looking at uh, before the, like, while the games were going on, just kind of previewing next week's matchups. And he's, I, I want to say he's seen more than four targets just once since like way back in week five or something like that. Uh, the targets just aren't there. And, you know, it's the same process with AJ Brown. And I understand Brown was growing into his role. Marquise Brown really isn't. This, this offense is rolling. They don't need to throw the ball a whole lot. The Browns' uh, strength is on the perimeter with Greedy Williams, with Denzel Ward. And I think that's why we saw Christian Kirk limited to uh, four catches for 33 yards today it just it's just not a great matchup for perimeter wide receivers not to say he can't get it done because he's that one play upside type guy but is he a must start no yeah I agree with you he is top 49 yards once in his last 10 games he just doesn't see consistently high targets Cleveland is much better uh, against the pass than the run, generally speaking, but I know I believe Denzel Ward might have left this game uh, today with an injury, but yeah, I agree with you. He's not somebody who I'm going to feel comfortable starting, but man, that Ravens offense, it's just, it's preposterous. It's really difficult to see anyone beating them. Certainly the Jets were not close, uh, but if you had the guts to start a Jets player, you're probably relatively happy at this point. I mean, Sam Darnold turns the ball over twice, but he does throw for two touchdowns. Both touchdowns go to Jameson Crowder, who returns from the dead to catch six of his 11 targets for 90 yards and two scores, and that's including a horrendous drop in the end zone before his first uh, touchdown catch. Meanwhile, Le'Veon Bell rushes for a season-high 87 yards, nearly 10 points in half PPR leagues, and Robbie Anderson chips in with four catches on six targets for 66 yards. He also adds a two-point conversion. It's another real tough matchup against the Steelers next week, Tags. Who can you start among Bell, Crowder, or Anderson? I mean, it, is there, is there a, uh, do we go with the revenge game narrative with Le'Veon Bell against his former team? 
he, I don't think any of them are really startable, to be honest. I mean, Jamison Crowder, the one thing you could go back on with him is that he's seen at least six targets in six of his last seven games, but the production really hasn't been there. I mean, coming into this, this, this week, some people messaged me saying, oh, I sat Crowder. Oh, how dumb. And I'm like, no, the process was correct. There's going to be times where things happen. Like Ricky Seals Jones scored two touchdowns today. That doesn't make him a good play. That doesn't mean you should have played him over someone like Hunter Henry. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that these things happen. There's variance. And if we knew everything, then, well, fantasy football wouldn't be as fun. Uh, but this is one of those situations where you kind of have to say it, it, people are going to take results over process. But do you really want to trust Jamison Crowder in that matchup against Pittsburgh? No. And Robbie Anderson, I mean, Pittsburgh, ever since Mika Fitzpatrick got there in week three, this defense has allowed fewer than one or less than one t- passing touchdown per game. So I, I don't want to start any of them. I was forced to start Bell in one league this week where my running back situation is just terrible. I could see having to start. I mean, where's he going to be, Tags? He'll probably be, what, a low-end RBT? Let's say half PPR leagues. Yeah, it's like a Joe Mixon scenario, but not as good at running back anymore. Right, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and you still have to start a guy like that in, in a lot of leagues. So he's certainly somebody who, you know, owners are going to be starting him in some uh, capacity if they if they own him at some point. Crowder, I completely agree with. I was actually lower than Crowder than the consensus uh, this week, probably four, I think, three or four spots. He's just not, look, you know, he's given you absolutely nothing the previous few weeks. He's not somebody who you can take going uh, to play Pittsburgh. And Anderson, look, I, I was pretty impressed with Anderson, uh, mainly because I think that he battled pretty hard for a couple of balls, which is something that's been a complaint about him this season. It was good to see, you know, the six targets were fine. So I could see starting him in a pinch, but he's going to be outside, I'm sure, my top 36. So he's a guy who, you know, if you're in a pinch again, maybe, but Bell is probably the only guy that I think is going to be started by the majority of owners, because if you own Bell and you've made it, you probably don't have, you know, better options at this point on your team let's move on to Chiefs 23 Broncos 3 this was tough conditions out there in the snow so you want to write a lot of this off but despite the conditions all your normal starters on the Chiefs do kind of what you want Patrick Mahomes throws for 340 yards and two touchdowns he does throw a pick Uh, Travis Kelsey catches 11 of his 12 targets for 142 yards and Tyree Kill catches two touchdown passes, 67 yards. So I don't really think there's much to say about them. They're all great. You start them every single time out. Obviously, on the running side, no Damian Williams again here. The running back pie is split in a disgusting manner. Darwin Thompson, 8 for 38. Spencer Ware, 7 for 26. LaShawn McCoy, 6 for 16. Next week, they're in Chicago tags. You're starting Mahomes, you're starting Kelsey, and you're starting Hill but no one else. Is that right? Yeah, there's nothing else to really take in there. The run game has struggled all year long. Uh, if Damian Williams gets back and practices in full all week, I might start to consider him. Uh, the Bears were without both Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan this week uh, inside linebackers. I don't anticipate, well, Smith is on IR. Trevathan's been out multiple weeks. Akeem Hicks did come back this week, but Hicks is going to, uh, he was coming in and out of the game. He was hurt the whole entire time. So yeah, I saw that he left in the fourth quarter there, Tag. So I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, there were multiple times he left during that game. Like he was in a lot of pain. There's no reason. And now that the Bears are out of it, I can't imagine that he's going to be on the field uh, come Sunday night against the, I think it's Sunday night game against the Chiefs. So if Damian Williams comes back, I might consider him because he's the clear cut number one running back there now. It's, it's, it's an ugly backfield that hasn't really produced all year though. Yeah, my guess is Damian Williams will be a guy who will be like, man, I kind of think he's going to have a good game here, but I probably will not be willing to risk it if I have him on my team at that point because there's major downside, and you're in your championship matchup at that point. So, yeah, to the extent he does come back, he's someone who you maybe could consider, but I don't think I would have the intestinal fortitude to do it. Uh, If he doesn't, then you just ignore that backfield entirely. For the Broncos, tough conditions, as we said. Cortland Sutton. He still winds up with four catches for 79 yards. He sees 10 targets. Noah 
Fant was banged up. He was in and out of the lineup, but he did uh, end the game, I think, okay and healthy. Um, but I'm really disappointed here, Tags. I don't know about you. In Philip Lindsay, he was outtouched by Royce Freeman, nine to seven, just 32 total yards. It is the Lions next week. If you were a Philip Lindsay owner, are you starting him in that matchup? Uh, it depends on what your options are, but yeah, probably. Uh, the Lions have been a better run defense as of late, and I talked to Bobby about this this week because he thought that maybe maybe uh, that Ronald Jones might be a play. At the start of the year, we had uh, the Lions were one of the worst run defenses in the league, but over the past, I think, five or six weeks, they've actually been a lot better, and uh, they're not a team that you necessarily need to attack, but it all comes down to what are your choices, and this was a game that I really was worried about Philip Lindsay's role, and I wrote about it in the primer because uh, the game script was obviously favored in in terms of like they, they'd fall behind in this game, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, Royce Freeman has been running twice as many pass routes as Philip Lindsay. It's just we haven't seen much production out of, of Freeman because Drew Locke hasn't really checked down to running backs a whole lot. But the fact that he's on the field in those situations uh, meant that there was gonna be a lot more. I think this was just terrible. A terrible play calling by the the Broncos offense. I mean, throwing the ball 40 times in that weather against the Chiefs defense, that's been actually really good in the secondary. They have a pass rush. You run the ball against the Chiefs. That's how you beat them. And they ran the ball with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman 12 times while throwing the ball 40 times, having him drop back 42 times. It's just stupid, in my opinion. I just think it's bad play calling. And can you trust it? The reason that you that I would start Philip Lindsay though is because you think about potential game script there, and obviously David Blau is terrible and can't even do anything against the Bucks defense, so he's not going to be able to do anything against Denver. The game script should remain solid. We should see plenty of touches available for Lindsay and Freeman, but Lindsay's the primary one two down back. So, yeah, he'll be ranked as an RB two in my rankings. Yep, I agree. I think, you know, game script is really, you know, you call it, it the game's going to be close next week. They're going to want to run it, and especially. What they were doing today was just manning. I mean, especially in the red zone where they were just having Locke kind of throw the ball up. I mean, I get that you have Sutton, but in back-to-back plays, I got bailed out by a penalty. And the next one, he just sort of throws it up for another interception. It really made no sense, particularly in that weather. Next week is going to be a close game. They're going to look at this game. They're going to be like, wow, what were we doing? Maybe we need to get back on the ground. And again, even though Freeman is running more pass routes at this point, um, you know, when he did out-touch him in this game, as I said, Lindsey's still the guy. He's going to get a, a bigger workload next week. He's not somebody who you're excited about, but if you own him and you survive this week, I think given the matchup, he's somebody who you throw out next week. And let's go to the Lions uh, game, which we just talked about. Bucks 38, Lions 17. We talked about, for the most part, the Bucks here almost surely going to be without Chris Godwin, um, who looked like a serious hamstring injury. You may be without Scotty Miller. Rashad Perryman, and this is one tag. You said you made a bad call on A.J. Brown. I mean... I don't think people were going crazy over Perriman. There were a lot of question marks as to what was going to happen. But I, I, to the few people on Twitter who asked me in the morning, this guy, this guy, or Perriman, and I consistently went with the other guy. I apologize for that. Hopefully you didn't listen to me and you found your way to put him in his lineup because six targets, five catches, 113 yards, and three touchdowns. You don't want to start Winston tags. You said it there against Houston next. I mean, it's a beatable secondary, but if you, you know, assuming both Godwin and Evans are out, I mean, Miller, maybe. Who are you going to start? I mean, are is Perriman a, a guaranteed locked-in-your-lineup starter or what? Yeah, Perriman's going to be a starter next week. Uh, the targets have to go somewhere is basically what I'm going to point to. And uh, while O.J. Howard's going to get a nice bump, Cameron Brate's going to get a bump. Uh, with Godwin out, with Evans out, with Scotty Miller potentially out, Justin Watson was a guy that didn't have play many snaps, even with Mike Evans on the shelf. So obviously they don't think too highly of Justin Watson. Perriman has been a guy that's produced here and there. So if he's going to get you know eight-plus targets, which is what I would expect against Houston, uh, they're a team that there have been six different quarterbacks this year who have totaled at least 39 pass attempts against 
against them. Winston himself has averaged almost 40 pass attempts per game, the most in the NFL. So yeah, I would say that Prashad Perriman is, he's going to be ranked as a top 36 wide receiver next week. It's just a matter of how high does he move up in the rankings. And, you know, obviously it's really early for us to say where he's going to wind up, but I would, I would venture to say that he will be considered a top 36 wide receiver universally. Yeah, my gut honestly says a little higher than that. I mean, I'm thinking within the top 30, uh, just because, again, you said it, they've got to go somewhere. And legitimately, other than the tight ends, it's probably going to be Justin Watson, who, by the way, I like actually as a talent. But, you know, he just has not gotten any run. He does have two catches in this game, 17 yards. So, I, you know, if Perman is available on your waiver wire, he's a guy, if you, you know, are in need of a wide receiver, he's he's going to be pretty highly ranked, in my opinion, universally. It, it tags at it, too. But, uh, you know, for right now, again we, we sort of do these things off the top of our head and then you know we look at the matchups and we we refine them and everything but for me I, it strikes me as like almost a borderline top 24 within the top 30 for me but I, i'll definitely take a look at it uh on the other side we, we touched on them when we were talking about the broncos i, I just want to you know uh, preemptively just give you this text tags why didn't you tell me to start wes hills okay what's the matter with you i just want to get some of the twitter grief you'll get look wes hills comes in 10 for 21 yards and two touchdowns looks a lot like kaylin balaj over there ty johnson gets only two carries jd mckissick just one he leaves with a stinger if bo scarborough is out can needy fantasy owners actually start hills against the broncos or is this just a situation to avoid carry on johnson might play next week He's been practicing. He's eligible to come back next week. He said he wants to come back. And why would they have him practicing? Why wouldn't they have shut him down all year long? I I think that Carryon Johnson might play, especially if Bo Scarborough can't go. I mean, I know <laughs> we're not going to talk about we're not even going to talk about the situation this week, but uh, it's possible. Carryon Johnson, that's a name to monitor. Whereas like people are going to be talking about waiver wire additions, they might overlook that one, and uh, he might be worth an ad actually. That's a, a great point, actually, and that's my fault, frankly, that uh, for not remembering that. Yeah, and he's, you know, because I kind of discounted it when they were talking about it, like, oh, well, maybe he'll come back. It just seems ludicrous, given the fact that they're obviously out. But, you know, you listen to him talk, and I get this as somebody who has, you know, has barely sniffed a flag football field. Um, these guys want to play, man. Like, this is what they do. They don't want to sit on the sidelines. For the most part, they want to get out there and play, and he wants to play, and if the doctors clear him, you know, all right, let him play if he really can't do any more damage. So, you know, if he may be out there, that's a great you and Bobby. I'm sure we'll talk about it. But, yeah, he's certainly somebody who you're going to want to look at. As for the passing attack, tags, I mean, God, I don't know where you had Kenny Galladay ranked. I certainly I think whatever wherever you had him, the answer is too high. Seven targets, three catches. 44 yards. I mean, David Blau, you know, there's absolutely nothing here. 260 with two interceptions. Are you starting Kenny Galladay against Chris Harris Jr. in the Broncos? I don't think it's a must start. You know, he didn't see seven targets, so it's you're still in the territory where it's it's really weird. This is a fun stat. Kenny Galladay is the first wide receiver this year who saw seven plus, seven or more targets against the Bucks and did not finish as a top 30 wide receiver. It's the reason I liked Damian, Danny Amendola so much this week. But Galladay, I mean, I had him as a top 12 wide receiver. And uh, this is disappointing for sure. But no, I don't think that I can consider him a must start. He's probably going to be in wide. Re I would. So here's let's put it on the spot. Brashad Perriman or Kenny Galladay next week. 
I mean, I again, uh, you know, I don't want to make this my final answer, but Perriman. Certainly, like, I have a strong Perriman instinct with that one. With They're both going to be number one receivers for quarterbacks, but one has a better quarterback than the other. So, I, yeah, I'd probably lean Perriman, too. That's crazy. And a tougher matchup. Um, And what about Amendola, though, Tags? I mean, he, you know, eight for 102. He sees 13 targets. That's 29 targets the past three games. I mean, I know it's David Blau, but, you know, if, if Harris is going to take on Galladay, that, that's going to leave. He's got to throw it somewhere. I mean, is Amendola a guy, especially in PPR formats, but even half PPR formats who you can consider getting in there next week in PPR he's a guy that maybe won't kill you but I'm not (laughs) I'm not aiming to start Danny Amendola this week was a very unique situation where I was willing to start him I played him in quite a bit of DFS uh, but next week I'm going to be a little bit more hesitant again I'm going to go through all these games and kind of look at the snaps uh, because the tight ends weren't involved for the for Detroit the running backs weren't involved nearly as much as I would have thought they'd been like especially like a Ty Johnson and JD McKissick but uh this is this is one of those teams I need to research a little bit Amendola has been seeing eight plus targets with Blau under center so he deserves some consideration but again I just feel like he's going to be a guy that that won't kill your lineup if you're if you're really desperate for wide receivers but he's also not going to win you a fantasy championship yeah I'm in a league that's really really deep there was very little going on there and I started Amendola today I mean it was the great matchup of course and he certainly came through I'll have to consider him next week just given what's out there. Again, he's a guy who there are some teams where if you have a strong lineup up and down, you know, your roster, sometimes you just need a guy who's not going to kill you. And that's a guy like Amendola. He's not going to win you it. But if you just need a guy, you know what? I need a guy in this spot who's just going to give me some points. I think Amendola has shown you he's probably going to be able to do that for the most part. Let's move on to Texans 24, Titans 21. Texans get the win. Not really a fantasy bonanza, though, here. Deshaun Watson throws for 243 yards and two touchdowns. Both go to Kenny Stills, which helped absolutely nobody. Uh, He also turns the ball over twice. DeAndre Hopkins does... Have six catches for 119 yards. Will Fuller comes back here. Five catches, 61 yards. Meanwhile, Carlos Hyde totes the rock 26 times. He has 104 yards. He scores the touchdown. He does nothing in the passing game tag. So you're surely not starting Hyde against the Bucks next week, right? <sighs> <I've>, <laughs> so this is obviously the point in the week where I start researching a lot of different stuff. And like that's the first game I actually got to because it's the game that's taking place on Saturday at noon. So I've already started researching that one. And the Bucks, surprisingly, people would be shocked to know this, is that they are the best in the league against the run and the pass when it comes to running backs in terms of yards per carry and yards per target. But we should see a lot of touches for Carlos Hyde in this game. I mean, Duke Johnson is still yet to touch the ball more than 14 times. He's only involved in in negative game scripts, it seems like. So Hyde is probably a guy locked into 18-plus carries in that game. So I don't want to say that he's completely off the radar, but he's still very touchdown dependent. Uh, I'm probably going to put him in the middling RB3 conversation uh, right now, but I I think he is someone you can start just considering how many targets he does or how many carries he does see. Yeah, I get it. I can't do it. I mean, I've had I've rostered Hyde in a league the entire season and I have not started him once. It's like he's too good for me to let go out there. It's a half PBR league. He's too good for me to let go. But a guy who does just absolutely nothing in the passing game. He's so difficult to start because you basically need that touchdown. And you got, I mean, even here, he got 26 carries. That's crazy. He's not going to see that again. It's like a Sony Michelle type start where you're just, you're basically just hoping that the game script goes positive. It should against the box. And that's the only reason I'd, if it was, if there was a chance that game could go south, I would say, uh, he's nothing but an RB4, but I don't see that game script going south. Hey, don't sell Winston short of what he can do with absolutely nothing out there. <laughs> now, does anything in this game, you know, aside from high, does anything in this game change your opinion on any of the pass catchers for next week? You know, I, we said it's a great matchup against the Bucks. Anything that happened in this game for the Texans change your mind at all about uh, any of their people in the passing game? No, not really. 
That is the correct answer, Tags, and that was so sweet and short and succinct. So let's move on to the Titans. Derrick Henry was questionable with the hammy coming in. He does run well, 21 for 86. He had like five opportunities at the goal line. He just didn't make it happen. Don't be too mad at the guy. But we talked about it. If you trusted Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown in your playoffs, you were rewarded. We already talked about Brown. Tannehill, 22 of 36 for 279 yards with two scores as well as a rushing touchdown. Out of curiosity tags against the Saints, ballpark it for me. Where do you think you'll have him ranked as a quarterback? Low end QB, low end QB one, but he's a starter, right? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say around QB ten, where I, I feel like he gives you a, a solid floor, and that's why you probably would might side with him over someone. He's playing better football than most guys in the league right now. Uh, the Saints. Derrick Henry is going to have a better time against the Saints knowing that they're without Sheldon Rankins, knowing they're without Marcus Davenport, uh, that run defense. I would have liked Tannehill more if those guys were playing because they would shut down the run. Uh, but it's a game to watch, basically. Watch the game that's taking place tomorrow night between the Saints and the Colts and uh, watch Marlon Mack. If Marlon Mack can get it done uh, tomorrow, you're going to see Derrick Henry crush them next week because I don't think they're, they're very good up the middle without Rankins there. And Davenport was also positively graded against the run, so... Probably QB 10, QB 12 area is probably where I'll have them. Yeah, I, I agree with you that the, especially the Rankins injury, because their run defense completely changed which with uh, him in there. But they are banged up everywhere. You know, they're banged up at linebacker. So it is something where Henry Stock will go up. But, you know, in the end, he's going to have to put up points regardless of anything. So I, I do think that, you know, even with the weaker run defense for the Saints, Tannehill is still going to be able to put up his points. He's just, God, I, I mean, you know, with his legs, with his arm, he's just, he's playing wonderfully. It's great to have him. I, I had to pick him up in the league. I am not shy about rolling with him. Um, so yeah, certainly a QB one. I agree with that. I mentioned Grammarly earlier, but I really want to thank them again for supporting the show. You guys might know me as tag sidekick or a lesser host than Bobby or just a super accurate fantasy ranker. What you may not know about me is that before I was any of those things, I was a lawyer and I mainly wrote for a living. So I felt pretty confidently in my ability to express my thoughts clearly and concisely and while using proper grammar in a written work. But then I started using Grammarly and I realized just how much I was leaving on the table. Grammarly is a writing assistant that helps you improve yourself and the way you communicate at school, at work, over email, or pretty much any time you write anything at all. It's available across a ton of platforms, including online browser extensions, desktop editors, and mobile keyboard checkers. So it works on pretty much all browsers. One of the things I do with Fantasy Pros is I manage the news desks, and I recommend Grammarly to every correspondent who I want to improve his or her writing because it makes a huge and noticeable difference right away. And if you really want to be your best self, check out Grammarly Premium, which looks out for spelling and grammar plus advanced punctuation, structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions like a business proposal, an academic essay, or even a casual blog post. Just go to Grammarly.com slash FantasyPros to get 20% off your Grammarly Premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash FantasyPros for 20% off your Grammarly Premium account. All right, Tags, let's keep moving here with Giants 36, Dolphins 20. Eli goes out a winner in his final home start, 283 yards passing, two touchdowns. He does add three interceptions because he's Eli. Saquon Barkley, you know, finally looks like his old self, 143 total yards, two touchdowns. Not much to say with Barkley, right? I mean, he's obviously a must-start option against the Redskins next week, but it was good to see him come through 
for his fantasy owners. But what I do want to talk about is the passing game here, Tags. Darius Slayton with the huge week last week. He does score another touchdown here, but just two catches for 31 yards. Golden Tate has just one catch on four targets, but that one catch is a 51-yard touchdown. Sterling Shepard does not find the end zone, but he sees 11 targets, catches nine of them for 111 yards. Now, Daniel Jones may be back next week, so that might affect your answer, but which Giants wide receiver, if any, are you starting next week against the Redskins? I'm not scared to start any of them, really. The the matchup against Miami was always a little bit worrisome because they're a team that, if you looked at it before the game, I want to say coming into this game, there were only 15 wide receivers who had ever finished as uh, a wide receiver 30 or better against them. So it was almost like trying to pick one receiver from this group. And I, I said that someone was going to disappoint. Fortunately, none of them really completely disappointed because both Tate and Slayton had touchdowns. But without those touchdowns, they would have been extreme, like massive busts. Uh, but Washington, I mean, they're a team that's just struggling altogether right now. Uh, you look at it, they've allowed back-to-back 30-point running backs in terms of like fantasy points, PPR, both Miles Sanders and Aaron Jones were guys that went for 30 plus points against them. So Saquon should have a day, but I don't Saquon. We've been waiting for performances against the dolphins. You don't want to take too much away from it. You don't want to say that Saquon's back and he's the running back that you drafted at number one overall. And I don't want to say that I really don't because there's been matchups over the last month that Saquon should have crushed in and he didn't. So Washington has been really a bit up and down. They have been really, really, really shaky against the run as of late, but I don't, I don't really, I'm not going to shy away from starting any of those guys against Washington because that secondary is extremely banged up. It's just a matter of who you're starting them over. Shepard is probably going to be ranked as like a, a mid, middling wide receiver three, Tate low end wide receiver three, and Slayton maybe a high end wide receiver four. So it, it's a guessing game. I don't want to sit here and pretend that I know which one's going to be. Is there, is there one of those guys that you prefer? I mean, I think Shepard might be the guy who's going to wind up a little bit higher than everybody else. I just look, I I like the targets. I've kind of been waiting for him to come back, look fully healthy, but I'm inclined to agree. I'm not going to go crazy over any of them. And I think all three of them are in play. I think the difference between the three of them is really not great at this point. So however you want to go about it is fine. But I, like you, think that all three of them are in play. And again, look, you know, we talk about this. We are in week 16 at this point. This is the championship time. I am in a league where I was legitimately picking up guys off waiver wire that I had to start. And part of it was I didn't want to start Robbie Anderson. Okay. I mean, I had him ranked, I don't know, you know, in the, in the low thirties, but I just didn't want to do it. You know, regardless of where I had him ranked, I wound up finding Chris Conley who wound up having a huge game, but these guys are guys who are going to be starting in your championship league. So it's not like you must start. None of them is a must start, but they're all certainly in play, but I have them right around the same, but I would slightly prefer Shepard given the looks that he got. On the other side, the only guy you really want to start, Devontae Parker, does come through. Four catches, 72 yards. He gets two touchdowns, one there at the end for garbage time. They are playing Cincinnati next week, Tags. Parker's clearly a must-start. Are you considering starting anyone else on the Dolphins against the Bengals next week? Patrick Laird, I would think about. He did have another 14-touch game, and the Bengals just can't stop anybody against the So, yeah, Laird, I guess, is going to wind up in RB3 territory. You know, the fact that both Parker and Wilson were able to recover from their concussions kind of took away his value in the passing game, right? Just two catches for eight yards. That's a little disappointing, especially because he seemed like a guy who, you know, in PPR leagues in particular, even half PPR leagues, he would have sort of a higher floor than he gave, just 54 total yards here. But against the, you know, the Giants aren't bad against the run anymore. Um, They've certainly played better over the last, I don't know, five, six weeks. Uh, so against the Bengals, yeah, he's somebody who I think you can throw out there if you have to, but it's going to be desperation time, I really think. For me, it's mostly just Parker. Let's move on to the Seahawks 30, Panthers 24. There was no possible better situation 
for Chris Carson than this one with Rashad Penny out and against the worst rush defense in the league. And he delivers 24 carries, 133 yards, and two touchdowns. And he does not fumble, thank goodness. <laughs> so he should be good to go. CJ Prosize did, though. Uh, CJ Prosize did, exactly. Some running back for uh, the Seahawks has to fumble every single game that is written in stone. So against Arizona, you will be more than happy to start uh, Chris Carson next week. Now, although the score wound up being close, just six points, the passing offense didn't actually need to do very much here. Uh, Russell Wilson, 286 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Tyler Lockett, as we mentioned early on, bounces back, sees nine targets, catches eight of them for 120 yards and a score. Uh, So, I mean, it sounded like you were, you know, kind of bouncing back on Lockett in your rankings. I assume you were starting him, no questions asked, against Arizona next week, right? Uh, yes, uh, the matchup. That's the thing is like the leg injury was worrisome, but then like the, the matchups that he's had since that leg injury were also terrible. And that's why I think a lot of people tied it to a lock. is just not very good anymore and this and that. But this is a matchup against Carolina where I was like, if his legs OK and he's playing all the snaps, he's practicing like th- there should be nothing worrisome about it uh, that he should bounce back. And he did. And going against Arizona, that's the matchup that most teams have taken advantage of the I mean the Browns today were kind of a joke uh, in terms offensively they just look terrible uh, but it is a matchup that you can exploit especially in the slot against them I'm not Patrick Peterson doesn't go in the slot and he's the only guy that can really step up and actually play at a shutdown level so if anybody gets shut down next week it would be like a DK Metcalf so yeah Lockett's going to be in play next week yeah are you starting Metcalf though I mean he does again find the end zone here two catches 36 yards on the score yeah it's gonna be tough not to uh I mean he only sees four targets here which is a little bit worrisome but uh against Arizona so many wide receivers have had success but he does to be fair he does line up on Patrick Peterson's side of the field where if everything all remained the same Patrick Peterson typically is at right cornerback Metcalf typically plays at left wide receiver which is why they would match up so he would have the toughest matchup on the field but he uh, this this was a week where he was supposed to too the perimeter matchup against Carolina isn't great the slot is where you beat him uh but Metcalf does haul in that touchdown he's a guy that when, when you have Russell Wilson throwing to you and you're getting the target share that he's been getting I know today it wasn't that way but if he's getting seven eight targets you kind of have to play him with Russell Wilson throwing the football so he's still going to be in wide receiver three territory despite the tougher matchup than Lockett yeah on the other side of the ball ugly game here for Kyle Allen but you're not disappointed if you started your Panthers Christian McCaffrey 175 total yards and two scores DJ Moore 12 targets, 8 catches, 113 yards, plus a 10-yard rush. Curtis Samuel, 5 catches for 31 yards and a touchdown, plus 23 yards on the ground. They like to get him involved there. They're at Indy next week, Tags. You're starting McCaffrey. You're starting more. Maybe you're starting Samuel. Anything else you want to talk about from this game? Uh, a little bit let down on Ian Thomas portion of it because he had 10 targets last week, obviously came in with a massive performance. Seattle has really struggled against tight ends. This was a really disappointing game, and it's going to be tough to trust him. I mean, Indiana, so Greg Olson might be back. Uh, he was reportedly close to playing, but it's the whole concussion protocol. We don't really know. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be tough to trust him. Even Samuel, to a certain extent, is a guy that I worry about because Indianapolis hasn't really allowed many big plays. They just allow a bunch of shorter plays. And I know that the the Panthers are trying to get Samuel involved, like giving him handoffs and, and shorter passes to get the ball in his hands because Kyle Allen can't complete anything down the field. It, I don't think Curtis Samuel is necessarily a must-start. DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey are the only two players that I would say are must-starts on this team. 
Yep, I agree with that. Let's go on to Packers 21, Bears 13. Not the prettiest day overall for the Packers, but Devontae Adams, 13 targets, 7 catches, 103 yards and a score. Aaron Jones, 13 carries for 51 yards and 2 scores. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers, just 203 yards and a touchdown. Uh, And Jamal Williams, 8 for 26 on the ground, 1 catch for 7 through the air. They're at the Vikings next, Tags. Give me your thoughts generally on the Packers' offense. Devontae Adams crushes. The Vikings are they're a funnel defense where they they're, they're literally impossible to get through on the front. Uh, they haven't allowed much to running backs, but in the secondary, they're just they can get trashed left and right. We've seen Devontae Adams even earlier in the year was just trashing Xavier Rhodes all over the field, and that's continued. It's not just Adams. Every wide receiver that goes up against Xavier Rhodes has been able to school him. Uh, so I'm not I'm not worried about. Devonte Adams, but none of the other guys you can start confidently. I mean, Alan Lazard sees just three targets. Allison has been terrible all year long. Marquez Valdez Scantling saw one target, and the ca- the ball should have been a long touchdown, uh, but he literally just he he didn't even touch the ball. He pulled his hands in before the ball got to him, and he missed it. It was a bomb that should have been a touchdown. Uh, so there's there's just no trust in that wide receiver core, but Devontae Adams is the only must-play. Jamal Williams is the guy that's now maybe irrelevant in fantasy football, where I don't know if you have to play him. Uh, he only sees one target here. Aaron Jones doesn't see any. They have been involving Aaron Jones more in the passing game. You need a positive game script, and that game should be very, very close. So, I mean, Aaron Jones is probably going to move down into like RB middling RB2 territory, Williams RB4. And yeah, Devontae Adams is only must start. I don't even. So here's a question. Rodgers, what do you think? What would you say about him next week? Like, what are your initial feelings on him? Because again, you can't run the ball in Minnesota. The temp, like, we don't have to worry about weather because that game is going to be played indoors in Minnesota. Minnesota has been that funnel defense that you can kind of throw against. So do you think that Rodgers is going to be ranked in your top 12? Yes. I do. I think he's going to be ranked in my top 12, but I don't think he's going to be up there. You know, I think he's going to be a guy who I'm going to be like, he's a QB one, but he's not a must start option. If that makes sense. I mean, cause again, I mean, look, the Vikings defense looked pretty strong today against uh, the chargers, but I agree. They're a team that you can throw on. It's difficult to run against them. Uh, and you know, Rogers is going to be able to do it. But the bottom line is like, as much as the guy is capable of, you know, having a four or five touchdown day, there just are no weapons on the team in the passing game. It's either Adams or the running backs. There is no second receiver who has stepped up who can be a consistent guy out there. And without that, it's just going to be hard for me to really feel like this is a guy who I must have in my lineup. Out of curiosity, you said Adams is the only must start, and you said Jones is sort of a mid-range RB2. I mean, that kind of makes Jones a must start, right? I mean, it's it's hard to see you having two or three other better options on your team right that's basically what it comes down to is that I'm not excited about Aaron Jones next week but the guy scores touchdowns they get into the red zone they go to him if they jump out to a lead they sit on the lead they don't really keep their foot on the throttle and throw the ball a whole lot so yeah it's it's impossible to bench Aaron Jones but understand that you need to dial back expectations for him in week 16. All right, tags for your Bears. We know how good Allen Robinson is. 14 targets, 7 catches, 125 yards. But again, Anthony Miller, 15 targets, 9 catches, 118 yards, and a score tags. I mean, assume no Taylor Gabriel again next week. You, you're starting Miller against Kansas City, right? Yeah, Kansas City's uh, the, the, their biggest weakness is in the slot. Uh, their perimeter cornerbacks have been really good. So, uh, yeah, Miller's going to be a guy that is ranked highly and. I'm just so frustrated with this football team. Uh, Trubisky, the final stat line doesn't look great. He actually played a pretty solid game. Uh, I have no complaints about him as a quarterback in this one. David Montgomery didn't play well. Uh, but 
the play calling was just terrible. Uh, it's been kind of like that way most of the year. But Anthony Miller, to know that he was not involved in the offense at all, and it's now all of a sudden you're seeing him get targets and you're seeing what he could do with the football and when he actually gets targets, you have to wonder why they didn't involve him in this offense sooner. Even when Taylor Gabriel was healthy, you have this, the field-stretching element in Taylor Gabriel. You have Allen Robinson who demands you know almost double coverage. And Anthony Miller's sitting there in man coverage wondering, why am I not getting the ball? It's just frustrating overall as the offense. But knowing Miller sees 15 targets, I mean, provided Taylor Gabriel is out, he has a he has a high floor because those targets have to go somewhere. The Bears have gone through like three different starting tight ends uh, where the targets have to go somewhere. And uh, again, the perimeter matchup against the Chiefs isn't great. So uh, Anthony Miller... If Gabriel's out, I'm probably going to have Miller ranked as a top 40 wide receiver, maybe top 35. Yeah, I think we're probably in the same range where we were. Goodness, I forgot which wide receiver we're talking about, but I'm probably going to have him a little higher than you. Is it Perriman? Yes, correct. Perriman, um, where I was like, yeah, I agree, except I'm probably about five spots higher than we were thinking right now. So, you know, with Miller, that's probably where I am, too. I agree. It strikes me as within my top 36 pretty easily. Um, He's just... He's got a lot of talent tags, and with the targets getting there, they're going to need points against Kansas City. I could see him having a, a another really, really solid effort. So I'm liking what I'm seeing from both those guys, and you know the fact that the Bears' offense is capable of supporting two, you know, kind of almost must-start wide receivers at this point is pretty comical considering where they were early in the year. So before we keep going, look, with your season coming to an end, maybe you had a big season. You should celebrate with some sort of commemorative item to celebrate, which you can get over at the Fantasy Pros store. Just go to shop.fantasypros.com. We have a ton of items over there, T-shirts, hoodies, water bottles. But especially now, if you look right on the top, you can see a link for fantasy trophies and belts. That's going to take you to a site where you can get fantasy champion belts or insanely cool trophies or championship rings and all of that stuff it is a great way to commemorate your championship again that is shop.fantasypros.com all right patriots 34 Bengals 13 pats take care of business here it's not an offensive explosion though brady held in check 128 yards passing and two touchdowns julian edelman just two catches for nine yards sony michelle he does go for 19 carries and 89 yards so certainly not a terrible day for him but Rex Burkhead sees six carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown. That came in garbage time. James White has uh, three catches for 49 yards and a touchdown. They're both more valuable than Michelle in this game. What Patriots players are you starting against the Bills next week, Tags? James White is, I mean, Julian Edelman and James White are the only ones that I consider. Uh, like, Edelman's a must start um, just because, like, this is one game where I'm going to say that the injuries that he was, there was multiple injuries that popped up on the injury report. They didn't necessarily need to throw to him a whole lot in this game. This was the first game in like seven weeks where he hasn't seen double digit targets. So I'm not, I'm, it's an outlier as far as I'm concerned. Edelman is a must start. James White in PPR formats, I would say is probably a must start. Uh, but I don't think anybody else is a must start, I, honestly. Like, Sony Michelle. This is a matchup where it was like it was supposed to be big and uh, he did get two targets. The one was uh, in the red zone, too. And like right near the goal line, it was just a badly thrown ball. Brady continues to look very pedestrian. And I think that's being generous. I don't know how this Patriots team feels heading into the playoffs, honestly. Like I again, you do have potentially the greatest quarterback of all time, but it hasn't looked that way over the past you know two months. 
Yeah, it's going to be really annoying when they win the Super Bowl yet again. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Nikhil Harry get a little more involved. I know he was, you know, basically barely played last week. Um, but he got a little more involved here. They've been talking him up a little bit. So we'll see about that. But for now, I agree. It's Edelman. Forget about this game. I agree. He was dealing with injuries. He was legitimately questionable coming in. And James White in a game against Buffalo where they're going to probably need to sort of utilize that quick passing attack. Again, with the Bengals, uh, the passing game, predictably terrible here. Andy Dalton throws four interceptions, uh, 151 yards. He does throw for a score. Tyler Boyd, as we expected, held in check by Stephon Gilmore. Seven targets, three catches for 26 yards. But, you know, we alluded to Joe Mixon earlier. Huge day. Gets 25 carries for 136 yards. He also catches three balls for 20 yards. Uh, You're starting Mixon, obviously. Who else can you start here next week against the Dolphins? Uh, Tyler Boyd. That's it. Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon. You can start them and everybody else just don't even don't even think about it. It's just gonna it'll it'll ruin your day. But you're willing to write this one off, right? To Stephon Gilmore with Boyd and just say, yeah, get him back in your lineup against the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I, that, as I mentioned, there's there's always one wide receiver that kind of gets the job done against the Dolphins, and I, there's nobody else in that roster that can get it done unless AJ Green plays. Because yeah, I mean, the word came out today, which is so stupid. I'm so tired of this. Like, I just want to say, AJ Green, don't just could you please put this to bed because he's been practicing and they're saying he looks good and he said he wants to play and I mean maybe he waited until the Patriots game was over and it's like oh let me look good against the Dolphins real quick because if AJ Green's out there I'm willing to put him in lineups I really am against the Dolphins it's going to be fascinating if he does come back I mean how many owners are going to be like yeah I'm putting this guy who has not been on my team and who I have not started at all all season long into my championship lineup but yeah look you know if he's out there you figure he wants to have a big day. Eagles 37, Redskins 27, the always bet killer last play run back for a touchdown to cover the spread. A hard-fought win here for the Eagles, who are playing down Lane Johnson and any decent wide receiver. Wentz throws for 266 yards and three touchdowns. One goes to Zach Ertz, one goes to Reg Ward, and a beautiful one to Miles Sanders, who totals 172 yards and two scores tags. They got Dallas next week. First, the easy question. Even if Jordan Howard returns... You are still starting Miles Sanders next week against the Cowboys, right? Uh, I mean, you start him, but I don't consider him like a um, a guy that is is a can't miss. I mean, he's had the workhorse role for I mean the past month now, and it's not like he's been like an RB one the entire time. He looked fantastic today, and I've been wondering the entire time, like why you know the Eagles are supposed to have one of the best offensive lines in football, and they drafted this guy in the second round. Jordan Howard died, you know, th- like. There's so much going on here. Jay Ajayi's dead. And it's like, why isn't Miles Sanders performing? And this is the game that kind of we were waiting for. Like, it finally came to fruition. And uh, Dallas, that's going to be a very hard-fought game. Like, that that game is essentially, is it going to be for the division? Because I think it is. It's the, That's the worst division in football, right? Yep. No, they both control their own destiny because they play. They've always been going through this whole thing where week 16, whoever wins that game is basically taking it. So, yeah, it's going to be a hard for game. For me, Tags, I, look, it's his coming out party. It finally was here. They know how talented he is. They know what he can do. They finally got it all together. Part of it is probably because they don't have anything else. So they're just like, okay, we're just going to. Although I, I do want to ask, what about Greg Ward, Tags? I mean, you know, nine targets, seven catches, 61 yards in the score. Now nine targets in back-to-back games. As I, I mean, you know, maybe Nelson Aguilar comes back. But they've got nobody else at wide receiver. Is he a guy you can even consider starting? Considering the target share, I think you can. Uh, but uh, understand that Dallas is a brutal matchup. It's the best matchup they have is in the slot. So I'll be going back to look at this game and see who was playing the majority of the slot snaps for the Eagles because that will 
dictate who I feel best about against Dallas because, again, that's the matchup you target. And if Nelson Aguilar comes back, I would imagine Aguilar will be playing that role. But it's kind of a mess. But if Aguilar's out again, it's really tough to pass on a guy that's like seeing eight plus targets in the starting lineup. So it's not a great matchup. I, I will say that, but I I guess he'd be considered if Aguilar was out. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be a guy who's going to rank in my top 36 for sure. Probably not even in my top 48. But, you know, it depends on, you know, the depth of your league. He is a guy, look, back-to-back weeks with nine targets. He's somebody you take a look at. But the Redskins, uh, pretty impressive overall offensively. Dwayne Haskins throws two touchdown passes. One goes to Terry McLaurin, who catches all five of his targets for 130 yards and a score. And Adrian Peterson finds the end zone and adds 91 total yards. Are you starting both McLaurin and Peterson next week against the Giants? I mean, McLaurin, yes, because I think you kind of have to. Uh, You saw what he did with a good matchup here. The Giants, the only one cornerback they had on the roster that was actually worth anything uh, was Janoris Jenkins, and he was cut. And that's why, obviously, Devontae Parker, we see him score multiple touchdowns today. So McLaurin's got to be played. As for Peterson, I don't necessarily think that that's a must play. The Giants have been better against the run ever since they got Leonard Williams from the Jets. So I don't think Peterson's a must play. It just depends on who you have on your roster. No, I I agree with that. He is certainly somebody who you can throw, and he runs hard, and he's involved, and he's even involved in the passing game somehow. So he is somebody who can get in there, but certainly not a must-start. Before we finish up with our final couple of games, look, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the season, why not just take a second and leave us a quick review over at Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Reviews are what makes podcasts go guys i know most listeners don't realize it but it's one of the huge reason that any podcast remains on the air and gains popularity so anything you want to say about it we'll read it we'll review it try to improve so if you have appreciated what bobby or tags or i has done this season at all go ahead and take just a couple of quick seconds and leave a review for the podcast all right tags cardinals 38 browns 24 there's really only one thing to talk about from the Cardinals side and that is Kenyon drake who sees 22 carries for 137 yards and four touchdowns at Seattle next week. I mean, he's just a must-start now or what? I think he has to be, and I debated putting him as my biggest winner, uh, but I, I don't know if I can trust this, this Cardinals team. There's They've been so hit or miss, right? Like even Kyler Murray to a certain extent, he's been a guy that you feel like you can trust one week, and then the next week he, he scores nine fantasy points, and you're like, what happened? I don't want to take too much away from this game. The Browns just didn't show up. That's the best way to put it. And I think it's laughable that Freddie Kitchens is considered a guy that's going to keep this this head coaching job. This this team's been an embarrassment. There's too much talent on this team to uh, to continue with him as the head coach. I'm sorry. He he's too stubborn, unwilling to give up play calling duties, all that stuff. There's there's a lot and. It is good to see that, you know, Chase Edmonds didn't have a single touch in this game. David Johnson gets just three uh, three carries, doesn't do anything in the passing game. Like, there are reasons, that, like, like that Kenyon Drake should be valued. And it seems like there, there's been talks about the Cardinals potentially trading away David Johnson because they gave him that big contract. Kenyon Drake is a guy that seems to fit their offense pretty well uh, as a younger player <laughs> that's very versatile. So uh, he's a must-start for sure. It's just I don't know how... I don't really want to expect, you know, RB1 type numbers out of him, knowing how inconsistent this offense has been. Yeah, but I think given what, again, yeah, I mean, you basically said it, given the volume that he got today and and how good he looked, he certainly earned himself pretty much the entire share of the pie next week. So he is somebody who you can start, maybe not confidently, but he's certainly somebody who should be in your lineup uh, if you made it to the next round. 
The Browns, yeah, I had this one pegged wrong tags. I thought they'd go out there given the fact that their playoff hopes were still alive. And, you know, I didn't trust the Cardinals. I thought they'd be much better, and they were not. I mean, Nick Chubb still does what he does. 17 carries, 127 yards. And the score, uh, Mayfield throws for 247 yards and two touchdowns. Both go to Ricky Seals-Jones, oddly enough. But, you know, they they take on Baltimore next week, Tags. I mean, you've got Beckham. He saw 13 targets, caught eight of them for 66 yards. Not exactly what you're looking for. Even Jarvis Landry, frustrating day for him. Five catches, 23 yards. Are you starting? I mean, you've been. I mean, we've talked about Beckham so much at this point. Are you starting Beckham and Landry against Baltimore next week? I do not think Odell Beckham is a must start next week. I'll be clear on that. I don't think he is. Um, between Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith, they've been phenomenal on the perimeter, and even Marlon Humphrey. Because a lot of people, what they're going to reference uh, when they talk about Jarvis Landry this week, they're going to talk about the Week Four matchup against Baltimore uh, when uh, Landry had, I think, eight catches for 167 yards or something like that. And they're going to talk about Nick Chubb and that he had a really big game against them. And I'm going to bring up. The the fact that Marlon Humphrey wasn't covering the slot during that time. They didn't have Marcus Peters. Jimmy Smith was injured. Brandon Williams, the the stud Pro Bowl defensive tackle for the Ravens, was not there for that game. It was the only game of the year he missed. So there were a lot of factors that went into that. Jarvis Landry's the best play, and he's going to be ranked as like a wide receiver three for me. But as he's going to be ranked higher than Beckham, and I don't think Beckham's a must play. He's he's probably going to rank as like a low end wide receiver three for me. Is someone that you could debate sitting if you have someone like a Brashad Perriman. Yeah, well, I mentioned the league where I had uh, both Beckham and Tyler Boyd. Now, I benched Boyd uh, this week. I did play Beckham. I might make it. It's very up in the air. And if I do, I really am going to loathe having to make this decision because I agree with you. I don't think you can start him at this point. I, I wouldn't be surprised, frankly, if they just shut him down at this point. There's all the animosity. He's got the injury, everything like that. It's a terrible matchup. So I could see a situation where you're forced to start him, but I try to avoid it. Uh, in any way that I possibly could. Let's go on to the Jaguars 20, Raiders 16. I mean, it's nice that the fans in Oakland got to really experience what the Raiders sort of give you uh, as they blow the lead. It was an ugly game offensively for uh, the Jaguars the entire game. Minshew winds up throwing two touchdown passes, both of which go to Chris Conley, who catches four for 49. The leading receiver for the Jaguars was Keelan Cole, who caught three for 76. D.D. Westbrook disappoints here, just two for 14. Leonard Fournette, you know, obviously somewhat disappointing. He still gives you 73 total yards because he is so involved in the passing game. Uh, They got Atlanta next tags. I mean, let's assume here DJ Chark is out next week. Are you starting any of the receivers? Are you starting Conley against Atlanta? Yeah, Conley was somebody that I was willing to start this week. I had him in my cash game lineups for DFS, so I was happy with the way that uh, that that game turned out. I I figured he would see, you know, seven, eight targets, and he walked into eight targets. So, yeah, uh, against Atlanta, you mean the team that just beat the 49ers? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, right? Yeah, uh, that happened while that happened while we're recording. By the way, one of the things if you ever hear, it's suddenly randomly tag and I are kind of like, uh, it's usually because something is happening on the television that we're watching out of the corner of our eye, and that was one of the things. Dude, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, Dan. I there was uh Julio Jones scored basically the game winning touchdown to that, and uh, I did everything in my power, and you didn't hear it because I didn't let it out, but uh, I I let out an internal scream when that happened because uh. I was a big proponent of Julio Jones this week. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about that with DFS, so I saw that uh, happen as well, and uh, I got to be honest, I give you props internally for uh, (laughs) holding it together there during it because I knew what was going on uh, inside your mind. On the other side of the ball, this looked like a game where Oakland was going to put up you know, 35 points, and then they just didn't. Josh Jacobs does play, and he plays you know fine, but 24 carries, 
89 yards. Uh, meanwhile, Tyrell Williams does catch two passes for 45 yards and a touchdown. Darren Waller, though, 10 targets, eight catches, 122 yards. He does not find the end zone, though. Against the Chargers tags, I mean, start Jacobs, assuming that he's fine. You're starting Waller. Anything else? No, absolutely not. No. Okay. I love it. Wonderful. Let's move on then to the Vikings against the Chargers. The big thing here is the Dalvin Cook injury tags. I mean, you know, this is a late game, so I doubt anything has come across the wire since we started recording. It was his shoulder, I believe. I assume it's related to his earlier injury that's going on. Is this something where every time he gets popped, he might have to leave the game? Do we know about the severity? Do we think he's going to play next week here against the Packers or what I haven't seen anything pop up in regards to it because when he went down he was in a lot of pain uh that's all I know is because I was watching that when it happened and they they ruled him out almost immediately yeah so that's never a good sign now to be fair they were winning the game I mean I I don't know if it was completely over but they they were playing from ahead this entire game at the very least yeah I mean against the Packers that's a pretty meaningful game for them coming up so well, I tell you what, Tags, why don't we do this? Because if, if Cook is healthy and he's recovered and he's off the injury report, you're starting him. Let's assume that he's not playing. And then let's also assume that Alexander Madison misses another game like he did here. I mean, is Mike Boone the guy? 13 for 56. He scores both touchdowns. I mean, Amir Abdullah gets a little bit involved. But are you just like, you know, against the Packers, you can attack them on the ground. Are you just full all systems go Mike Boone here or what? Yeah, if Mike Boone is the starter and Madison and Cook are out for that game, yes, uh, Mike Boone will be considered a must start for me uh, against the Packers. I mean, they looked fine against the Bears today, but the the Packers have been open about the fact that they said that they're going to make Trubisky beat them uh, both times. So um, it's going to be a little bit different uh, when you get with Minnesota and Stephon Diggs and now Adam Thielen back uh, with Cousins. Any concerns with Thielen, by the way? Because again, he didn't have a he didn't have a big game here. Three caught all three of his targets for twenty seven yards. Any concerns about starting him, assuming he's healthy? Nope. I just wanted to see him get through this game healthy. That's all I wanted to see. And uh, I think, I, as far as I know, he played a full complement of snaps and didn't come out of this game with any n- nothing worse for wear. So uh, Adam Thielen, I ranked him outside my top 40 wide receivers this week because the matchup was terrible against L.A. And coming off the multi-week injury, there was some additional risk built in. But going against the Packers, I'm not necessarily worried about it. The, their perimeter, their cornerback duo of J.R. Uh, Alexander and Kevin King have not been very good. The area that they've, they've been good actually is against the slot with Tremont Williams. But Thielen doesn't play the slot a whole lot. People don't really know that. People think that, oh, Thielen's back. He's going to be the slot receiver. No, he doesn't play the slot very much in this offense. Neither does Diggs. So that matchup against Green Bay, it should be good for both those guys. So I think Thielen's going to be back in must-start territory. For the Chargers, I just like to tell Phillip Rivers that you should just throw the ball up to Mike Williams on every play because it will work out better for you than what is happening right now. Uh, This is a disaster uh, for this game. I was wondering about this because, you know, I do the betting pros podcast. The spread was Vikings laying two and a half. And you felt like, well, the you know, that game that the Packers went up there, you felt like the Packers were going to kill them and the Chargers came up big. They were healthy on defense. And just a complete disaster all around offensively. I mean, Mike Williams does have 71 yards and the touchdown. But Rivers throws uh, three interceptions in this one. Melvin Gordon loses two fumbles, rushes for just 28 yards. Hunter Henry also loses a fumble. Keenan Allen, you know, 10 targets, nine catches, 99 yards. They get Oakland next week, Tags. I mean, I don't know. What do you want to say here about these Chargers? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, does Melvin Gordon, does he stay benched? Do they go to Eckler? Like, obviously, he lost some value losing two fumbles in the game. 
Ugh. He was still getting carries late in the game. He got pulled for a while for Jackson and for Eckler, but he was still getting carries even late in the game. So I assume they're not going to. That might have been punishment, though, to play in late in the game, considering that. That's that that could be fair. Yeah, Eckler might be the best running back in that matchup. I mean, against Oakland, that's a divisional game. The two know each other extremely well. I mean, you're starting. I think you have to start Mike Williams for sure. You have to start Keenan Allen and Eckler. Melvin Gordon, still probably a must start, but you don't feel like as good about it. Yeah, just gross it, it, yeah I think that's how I feel about the Chargers it's like you know Anthony Lynn's kind of like he's on the chopping block he's probably gonna lose his job and I don't ever root for that stuff but that's another team but in the end as bad as this is it most likely doesn't really change anything I mean you know unless you find out that uh, Melvin Gordon's gonna be benched or something or gonna lose more snaps you're just like okay well I gotta start Melvin Gordon and I gotta start Austin Eckler in half and full PPR leagues and I'm obviously starting Keenan Allen and Mike Williams is getting his jump balls and Hunter Henry is still around to you know be a startable tight end and that's all there is to it but the answer is gross let's move on to the game we just alluded to Falcons 29 49ers 22 again this was a game where I believe Julio Jones caught the touchdown pass to take the lead with like two seconds left and then I believe Raheem Mostert fumbled it on the kickoff return and they ran it back for a touchdown which is why the Falcons wind up winning by seven points here but with the Falcons it's really just Ryan who throws for 210 yards and two touchdowns to of course Julio Jones who sees how many 20 20 targets 13 catches 134 yards and two touchdowns there is nothing else going on here I mean Devonta Freeman 12 for 39 they obviously have a much easier matchup on the ground against Jacksonville who pretty much I mean Josh Jacobs didn't have the huge day but you can run through I don't know Tags what do you want to take away here from the Falcons side of the ball other than you love Julio Jones and he's your favorite player ever? he is my favorite player ever I actually tried to get I, I wanted to name my son Julio and my wife turned it down she said no uh, I'm, I'm not kidding I wish I was uh, but I mean, I don't want to take too much away from it. It was actually a disappointing performance from the Falcons offense. I know they won, and I know the game totaled 51 points and all that, but overall, it was kind of a disappointment, especially for Devonta Freeman. This 49ers defense, like, I could run through the names, like, uh, they were missing. I think that there's, like, six players in this defense from when they started the year who are not active for this game, whether it be IR or just missing the game in general. Uh, so it's not the same 49ers defense that we've been seeing that are, has been straight up dominant. Mostert was a guy that coming into this game, I mean, the past couple of games, even though he has had that lead role, it's been no more than, I think, 13 touches in those games. So I didn't want to like totally buy in until I saw it on a more consistent basis. And he's still still it's 15 touches. It's nothing to go crazy about. But if this 49ers defense starts playing a little bit worse that's when you're going to start to see like them go towards more of a pass-heavy attack, and you're going to see less running back touches available, which in turn, it really hurts everybody because you know they, it still is three running backs getting touches in this backfield. So I don't know really know what the touch ceiling is for Raheem Mostert. I think he needs to remain extremely uh, efficient if he wants to be considered a must-start. Brita fumbled, by the way, in this game, both he and Tevin Coleman. He fumbled twice, actually, and he lost one of them, and yeah. Oh, yes, he did. He lost one of them, correct. I think Raheem Mostert, didn't he fumble as well in this game? So he fumbled on the final play on, I believe that's where his fumble came in, on the final play where he was in on the kickoff return where they had two seconds left, and it was a lateral, and he wound up getting charged with the fumble. So I don't think it... Uh, that's not really a fumble, though. Yeah. It's not really a fumble. Matt Breida, though, two real fumbles, one real lost fumble. Uh, I agree. George Kittle, just to mention it, 17 targets, 13 catches, 134 yards. He is an absolute beast. He's against the Rams. I don't think there's too much other you know it's really the about the running backs here and i agree it is Mostert's backfield for sure going forward tags real quick what what the hell happened to the atlanta defense like they were a team that legit any wide receiver you just start against them and debo samuel one catch for 29 yards emmanuel sanders two catch for nine yards 
what has happened to this Atlanta defense ever since their their bye? They've come back like a different team, and I was like, you know what? It was divisional games against you know they had the Saints twice, and they shut down Drew Brees relatively both games. Jameis Winston, Kyle Allen, and I was like, okay, well, it, like is it it's just division games, right? And uh, and now going into this game, and it's like, wow. I mean, what happened with the Falcons defense? I don't have the answers for you because I was calling for Quinn to be fired like six weeks ago. Yeah, I don't know, man. They came off that bye and they were just completely changed. I mean, they're not like this. I don't think they're still a defense that you fear and you run away from or anything like that. And I think, you know, the 49ers at this point, they have just been through so many just hard fought killer games, you know, coming in, you know, they came off the game, you know, even the game against Green Bay was kind of tough. The games against Arizona were tough in Seattle, then Baltimore, and then the Saints. I just feel like they're a little out of sorts right now at this point. So as much as it is the uh, Falcons defense, I do think at this point, the 49ers just, they they need a little bit of a breather essentially, because I I think they're just kind of completely banged up now tags our final game here the Cowboys and the Rams there was some drama in this game but it was about whether or not Dak Prescott screwed up on calling the opening game. by the way I just want to make clear I was in uh Buffalo for the Jets Buffalo game several years ago at this point probably like 15 years ago and Herm Edwards did that and it took me like two weeks to figure out what happened back then where the Jets kicked off to open the game and then kicked off at halftime and I had no idea until I realized that they screwed it up and actually elected to kick which, by the way, you should never do. Anyway, the Cowboys, though, they eke it out 44-21. to 21. I mean, again, the Cowboys are so weird because they look terrible and then they come back and have this big game. But it's weird. It's not a huge fantasy game, for, you know, except for the running backs. Ezekiel Elliott, 24 for 117 and two touchdowns on the ground. Tony Pollard, most of it in garbage time, 12 for 131 with the touchdown on the ground. They're through the air, it's not that much. I mean, Dak throws for 212 yards. And two touchdowns, uh, one of which goes to Tavon Austin, one to Jason Witten. So, you know, you obviously have the receivers here. Michael Gallup, one catch for six yards. Amari Cooper, one catch for 19 yards. So you take away anything from this game against the Rams or, you know, they got the Eagles next. So it's obviously an easy secondary and you just throw this out. Outside of the fact that the Cowboys should have run the ball, who'd have thunk it? The Cowboys, as a Cowboys fan, it must be so incredibly maddening to have watched this entire season, right? Look, they they control their own destiny. So what do you know? Maybe they'll make the playoffs and, uh, you know, run the table. Stop. I, I can't take a world where that happens. All right. But you're not, you're not, are you concerned about Cooper at all here? I mean, you're, I assume all systems go against the Eagles next week, right? No, this is one of those games I'll go back and watch in regards to the coverages and what they did. Uh, Dak was off on a few of his throws that I did see because I, I, I was watching, I was trying to watch all the afternoon games. So I didn't particularly watch this one. It, it, it was a blowout really, really fast. Um, so I don't want to take too much away from it. But I mean, because nobody on the team had more than five targets. Even, you know, Michael Gallup had three targets. So it's just a very low volume game. And that's not something we see from the Cowboys very often but going into next week I mean against Philadelphia I'm starting Amari Cooper yeah no absolutely and as far as the Rams go it was just kind of disastrous offensively they couldn't get anything going you know Goff's fantasy numbers look okay because mostly of garbage time he throws for 284 yards and two touchdowns uh one of which goes to Cooper Cup who goes for 41 yards on the score. The other one goes to Gurley, who goes three catches for 18 yards. But Gurley can't get anything going on the ground here, 11 for 20. He does score the touchdown on the ground as well, though. Uh, Meanwhile, you know, everybody was kind of getting excited about Robert Woods, just four catches for 17 yards. You find, you know, Tyler Higby, so long as Gerald Everett is out, is just a must-start option. 14 targets, 12 catches, 111 yards. They've got the 49ers next week, Tags. The 49ers are pretty decimated defensively, but they're going to be angry, and they're going to be home. So who do you feel like you can start with confidence here on the Rams? Uh, Not Jared Goff. 
Oh, that's for sure. I think it's going to depend on who the 49ers get back on defense because uh, like Richard Sherman, is he going to play? They were saying that's probably a multi-week injury with him. Same thing with D Ford. That's worrisome. Uh, I'm guessing Kawan Williams will be back. I'm just uh, Jaquiski Tart will be back. Uh, there's a lot of injuries to monitor in that game, but Jared Goff, I, I said it in the primer this week. I said, if you've started him against bad defenses, you've fared well. If you've started him against every opponent and expected him to do well, you've been terrible. Um, because he's just been really, he's been good in, in good matchups and bad and bad ones. And the Cowboys were like, he caught them at the right time where they're a defense that hasn't been playing particularly well. Uh, but, and that's why I think you see mediocre fantasy numbers, but a lot of it was in garbage time. Jared Goff was not good in this game. No, he was terrible in this game, really, if you watched it. So the fact that he might have saved you uh, with fantasy production, that's great. But you certainly don't want to start him against any team with a semblance of a pass rush. And even with all their injuries, you know the 49ers are going to find a way to get to the quarterback. So I'm in complete agreement with you there. Well, we have one week left in the fantasy season, so Tags and I will wrap up our Sunday night recaps next week but for now we have finished today's show thanks again to our sponsor manscaped remember you need to look good everywhere and you can with manscaped's perfect package 2.0 and you can get 20 percent off plus free shipping when you use our code fantasy pros over at manscaped.com and thanks to grammarly guys good writing makes a huge difference in how you come across whether it be in an email or in a writing sample or a presentation or whatever Go to Grammarly.com slash Fantasy Pros to get 20% off your Grammarly premium account. And don't forget to check out our store over at shop.fantasypros.com. Make sure to check out the awesome trophies up at the link on the top. Enjoy your Monday Night Football, everybody. Bobby and Tags are going to be back to get you through the final week of the season. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.